And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, and today we are going to be speaking with Representative Peter Roscoe, who proudly represents Illinois' 6th District in the United States Congress, and is currently on his sixth term of service. I am an attorney and a partner with the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys that focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. We do everything from zoning to estate planning to not-for-profit administration and defending religious freedom. You can find out more about us by going to maukbaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call us at 312-726-1243. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter to keep up to date on the developments about faith and the law. Now back to Peter. During his time in government, Representative Peter Roskam has championed numerous initiatives uh, to reform tax policies, health care programs, and foreign affairs to protect the American people. In the past, he also practiced in Chicago, gaining significant experience as a litigator. Representative Roscom, welcome to the show. Rich, it's really nice to be on your show. Thanks for the invitation. Well, Peter, we go back to your first campaign for uh, in Illinois when you were running as a representative. Yeah, we do. I think that's back in, in the 90s. Early 90s, my friend. It's been a while. That's right. I got to tell you, Peter, delighted to have you on the show, and I really appreciate the uh, the stands that you've taken for the 6th District. Thank well, let's you. get right into it. Uh, you know what? For our listeners, uh, where is the 6th District? So the 6th District is parts of five counties. It's parts of DuPage, Kane, McHenry, Lake, and Cook counties. So it runs Burr Ridge, Hinsdale area, out through Wheaton, where you and I live, uh, St. Charles, Naperville, then it goes up north into Crystal Lake, comes down through the Barringtons, and ends up in Palatine. So it's the shape of the letter C, a big curve throughout the west and northwest suburbs. That's quite a uh, area to be covering and representing. So let, let's get into that. Um, uh, Peter, I understand this is a pretty tough race this time. Is that is that true? It's very competitive. Uh, you know, most folks who look at it look at it as a dead heat, and here's why. Nancy Pelosi wants to become Speaker of the House. She knows that there's no pathway by which she can become Speaker that does not go through this district. They've got to win the 6th. They've got to win a couple seats in the Denver area, some outside of Miami, some outside of Philadelphia, some outside of the Twin Cities. And that's part of the big plan for Pelosi to become Speaker again. And Donald Trump underperformed this district. It's a district that Romney beat Barack Obama 53-47 back in 2012, but then four years later, Donald Trump underperformed Romney by about 10 points, and Hillary Clinton out and out won it, which means the National Democrats say, hey, we're in. So it's competitive, and I don't underestimate it by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Well, Peter, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the fact that Mr. Trump underperformed in in your district. Uh, What's your relationship with Mr. Trump? 
So I view the the Trump administration and the president, you know, with as anybody else looks at um, the 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 executive branch of government, and that is this: my responsibility as a representative is to reflect our constituency into a co-equal branch of government, the the, the United States Congress. Now, when it comes time to working with the administration on things that benefit our district, I work with them. So that means um, on tax reform, regulatory reform, trying to do thoughtful changes on health care, the things that are happening in the Senate, getting uh, you know Justice Gorsuch on the court, some of the international moves, moving the embassy in Jerusalem, good move, getting the uh, um, getting out of the Iran deal, a good move. All those things are good. When the administration, though, is out of step with our district, then I've, I've stood up to them. So if tariff policy doesn't help our district, the direction that it's going right now, the president's approach on child separation at the border was a bad idea, and I was very vocal against it. Some of the things as it relates to children's health insurance funding or the Americans with Disabilities Act, I stood against the administration on directions that they were going. And I think part of this, I mean, this, the, the overlying... Uh, issue in terms of interacting with the White House is, well, you've got a president that, that tweets just constantly. And I think we would all be better off, he would be better off if he put the Twitter feed away and just focused in on governing rather than tweeting. I think uh, many of your constituents would share your opinion. I certainly do. And, and I happen yeah. to um, be appreciative of many of the, the uh, Republican initiatives that have taken place since his election. But there are certain things, and that's one of them, that we really wish were different. And I, I don't yeah. think I've ever heard anyone with a different comment. Um, I want to get into immigration, but before I do, this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker of the law firm of Malk and Baker. Today, United States Representative Peter Roskam is with us to discuss uh, his time in office and the upcoming election. Peter, in our district... I believe immigration is a very important issue. So what, what are your stands on that? Where are you coming from? Yeah, I think you're right. And we represent, uh, you know, in, in our district, we've got um, folks from all over the world. We've got massive diaspora communities, people who have come here because they want to live here. And, um, and, and so we've got, a, we've got a very international feel to the 6th District. And here's part of the, here's the challenge, and I think here's part of the solution. The challenge is, we have basically had the same discussion in our country for the past 30 years about immigration. And the, the catnip is that, that policymakers have thought, hey, we'll do this one big bill once and for all, and it will, it will fix everything. That's a fool's errand. It doesn't happen. We don't have the capacity to do that. Instead, we're much smarter, I think, to break this down and to take it in small steps. And the first step is you know, making sure the border is secure. Now, I'm not in favor necessarily of a wall, uh, but I think enhancing the border security would dramatically lower the drama around the immigration debate. And then you can move forward with a guest worker program that's rational. Then you can go after high-skilled workers and the, the folks that are getting PhDs, staple a green card to their PhD diploma and have them move out and start move, you know, move out to the suburbs and start businesses. We want them here. And then ultimately the question becomes, what do you do with 12 million people who are here 
that don't have papers. And how do you reconcile that? And I think the smarter move is to recognize we're not going to we're not going to get rid of 12 million people. Number one, we would be scandalized with the amount of federal power that would take. And our country would put up with that for about two hours and that would stop. The second thing is to get rid of 12 million people would force us into a recession. I mean, those are 12 million customers. So we need to think through what's the pathway by which people can become normalized and get right with the law and then move forward from there. But I think, I think a couple of weeks ago, about a, well, a few weeks ago, I voted in favor of a bill that I think makes sense. It would have brought border security. It would have uh, ended the child separation policy by statute once and for all. And it would have fixed it for the DACA kids permanently. And that was, you know, clearly half a loaf. There's more that needs to be done. But I think that that is the type of incremental step. Let's get that done and then move to take on the next thing. And I think that's where most people in our district are coming down. Well, Peter, there's so many issues that you've raised in, in your uh, explanation there. First one is, where is that bill now? So the bill failed. Only 120 members of Congress voted in favor of it. They were all Republicans. So half of the Republicans voted in favor of it. Half of the Republicans opposed it. And all of the Democrats opposed it. And I think that's disappointing to me. I think that there's some people in this debate who I have observed who cannot take yes for an answer. Think about if you're trying to negotiate a settlement of a case and somebody keeps moving their demand. And that's basically what we have happening um, on, the, on, the larger, on the larger scale. So the bill failed for lack of support in the House. So that uh, actually moves to another question. Um, one of the important issues that I think so many of uh, the voters are raising is the civility within the uh, Congress. What's your thoughts on that? And, and uh, where are you going with that? It's important. <clears throat> the ability to interact with one another. Um, and, and lawyers in particular have been more skilled than most at this. In other words, you know, people have the ability <clears throat> to do great battle in a courtroom and then walk out and be very uh, uh, well civil to one another in, in discovery and, and all these other all these other aspects of a case. So I think the legal profession, um, which gets a bad rap, ironically, can can be very helpful right now in terms of modeling some of the things that we need to see. So what do we need to do? I've I have interacted um, and recognized that you need both sides of the aisle to be able to talk to one another and not talk past one another. And so when I was chairing one of the subcommittees that took on the IRS not long ago, and it was an issue where we discovered that the IRS was abusing small business owners. And I got every Democrat on the subcommittee to agree with me. And during the, this process of working through the hearing and the bills that we were, that we were dealing with, John Lewis, who's one of the civil rights icons, uh, African-American, uh, was, was spoke at the March on Washington back in 1963. I mean, really a person of, that, I, that I have a great deal of admiration for. And um, during the course of our hearing, he said, and I'm paraphrasing, that, that he has never had the spirit of bipartisanship on that committee that he was experiencing that day. And I really, that was really encouraging to me to be able to bring people together of very different perspectives towards a common goal, not shout at one another, not, you know, question one another's motives and work together, listen to each other, make changes to accommodate one another. And ultimately with that piece of legislation, 
It moved out of the House of Representatives unanimously. Every member of Congress voted in favor of that. I think Coming up, more of we'll that talk further with Representative Roscombe about what he hopes to achieve is if and when he is elected for another term. I'm Rich Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, partner in the law firm of Malkin Baker, and we're talking with United States Representative Peter Roscombe. Peter, uh, when we went to break last, we were talking about civility. We were talking about a number of other issues. One of them that came up was your protection of the people from excessive taxation mm-hmm. and your investigations with regard to the IRS abuses. Tell us a little bit more about those abuses and, and what you've been doing. So what we learned was that the IRS was actually targeting people, and this was um, the overwhelming majority of things that people have read about this with Lois Lerner and so forth. It's all true. There was a malevolence to it. <clears throat> they were targeting people based on political philosophy, trying to silence them, based on religious belief, trying to silence them. And that is, that is loathsome, and it's very, very corrosive to our public life. So we were able to put together reform, number one, bringing attention to this. Number two, um, bringing uh, changes to the underlying statute. And number three, uh, you know, having a restraining influence moving forward. But this is an issue where you gotta be constantly vigilant and looking over the the shoulders of the IRS. What's an interesting um, overlay on this is the big debate on tax reform. So the big debate on tax reform, part of it that gets lost in the shuffle, yes, we wanted tax relief. Yes, we wanted to bring more, uh, more of a competitive nature to the U.S. economy and so forth. But also, we wanted to do our best to try and simplify the code to the extent that we were able. And why is that important? It's, it's important because the IRS was using complexity to their advantage. And so by trying to simplify it somewhat, we're trying to take, uh, bring more clarity and also just trying to make the, 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 the country more competitive and help the economy grow, which is obviously happening. So your, your position is that the uh, – first of all, I'd argue that that tax code has not been made simple yet. Yeah. Um, practicing in that area, particularly with uh, not-for-profit corporations and 501c3 exemption. But um, I really – admire the move toward whatever can be done sort of like immigration if you can't get the whole thing done all at once you work toward it yeah that's right uh, uh, I think the other thing on this though is that uh, I was particularly concerned in this um, because there was a uh, particular bias towards certain religious groups that the IRS was um, maintaining uh, either delaying or uh, harassing them in different ways with regard to their filing for uh, tax exemption. But I noticed that pattern in many of the other departments as well. We're seeing that in the FBI. We're seeing that mm. in the Justice Department. How do you, how do you uh, summarize for us what's taking place even today with, with all these investigations and that kind of thing? And how, how does that tie back into the Obama administration and their handling of, of the executive branch? Yeah. So when when uh, I'll just give you a, a, a quick story, and um, but it's it's illustrative about how the Obama administration was doing this. Um, <clears throat> in Illinois, uh, our mutual friend Al Salvi was the Republican nominee for the United States Senate back in 1996, 
And he loaned money to his campaign, and he did it the right way, but the Federal Election Commission falsely accused him and put him under investigation saying you did it the wrong way, and it was an improper contribution. To collapse this down, they ended up having uh, World War II headlines, Salvi under investigation before the election. He went on to lose the election. He was sued by the Federal Election Commission, but the case was dismissed in federal court on summary judgment. The, the, the judge said this is no case. Not to be outdone, the FEC comes back and says um, they, they want hundreds of thousands of dollars in a fine that was for a case that was just dismissed. And Al said, this is ridiculous. Let me talk to the person with authority on the case. Person with authority on the case gets on the phone and says, we'll drop this case if you pledge never to run for office again. Al said, put that in writing. And she said, we don't put it in writing and we never lose. And that person was Lois Lerner. Now, Lois Lerner then went on to the IRS section dealing with what we have all come to find out now. And she was an operator. She was a person that was trafficking and moving in these different areas. And that is unsettling. That is corrosive. It was criminal, I would argue. And the, um, that, that, that is a great challenge. And is that an isolated case? I don't think so. Um, I think that these are more, uh, th this is far more systemic. And it, it speaks to the type of person that we want in these roles. It speaks to what are our expectations of these kinds of uh, responsibilities. And if we don't get this right, then what happens is over a period of time, people lose confidence in the system. Uh, which is certainly true today in, in many regards. You're listening to uh, Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker of the law firm of Malkin Baker. We're speaking with Representative Peter Roskam about his service to the people of Illinois and what his goals in Congress uh, will be uh, in this next term. Now, Peter, we had already mentioned that this is a tight race going on. What do you see as the two largest concerns that, that uh, people in the 6th District have? The first that, that comes up, Rich, in, in meetings that I go to, the first hand that will go up during a question and answer session is, why, why can't people work together in Washington? And why is there such a harshness? And I want to speak directly to that because my opponent in this campaign has embraced the politics of ridicule, the politics of name calling, questioning motives, putting people down. That's not what we need. <laughs> that is not what we need. We do not need rhetorical gasoline fueling the, the public debate right now. And instead, my demeanor and my attitude is, lower the wattage, uh, don't be hyperbolic in claims against opponents, try and find the common ground. So the disposition of civility, which I think is a hallmark of the 6th Congressional District, um, is very important. The second thing is, there's two views of the economy that are competing for the affections of the American people, and particularly for millennials. One view, which you and I share, is a view that says growth is good, and we want more people participating in a growing economy, and we need to be sensible that more people can participate so that barriers of entry are low, but growth is good. There's another view, though, that is contrary to that. The other view says it's a zero-sum game, that if somebody does well, that comes at the expense of somebody else. That's basically the economics of envy. It's a cul-de-sac. It doesn't end well. And we don't want to live like that. We want to live in, in uh, an economy that's growing. 
And my opponent and I have two very different views of tax policy, for example. I've, I've advocated lower taxes, and he's advocating raising all of the tax rates, raising the tax on payroll, putting a new tax on gasoline, a new tax on carbon, uh, against a property tax freeze, in favor of a progressive income tax, all of which has a massive target on the backs of the 6th District. So in answer to your question, one is civility, how, how this district is reflected, and number two, worldview from an economic point of view, and particularly tax restraint and a high view of the taxpayer that charges governments have to live within their means. Uh, Peter, I'm, we're getting close to running out of time, but one of the reasons I've always supported uh, your candidacy is because of your pro-life stance. Where are you on that uh, at this time? Yeah, I'm pro-life, and uh, like you, I refuse to be defensive about being pro-life. There are millions of people who are pro-life, many, many people in our constituency who are pro-life, and I will, I will stand for life. My opponent, when we were debating with Mike Flannery uh, a couple of in, in July, my opponent on broadcast television compared abortion to a gallbladder procedure. And I mean, that is, that is too cavalier for words. You know, as my mother said, a gallbladder doesn't have a beating heart, obviously. And so that kind of comparison, I think, is, is not a reflection positively of this district or forcing people um, to repeal the Hyde Amendment. Uh, the Hyde Amendment protects taxpayers from being forced to pay for abortions. And my opponent has said he's in favor of that. So I've been really pleased to, to have a 100% rating with National Right to Life and the allied pro-life groups, and I will continue to stand for life. And, and Peter, just uh, one last comment, because we are running out of time. Um, I've known you to be a man of faith uh, all through the times that I've known you. So where, how does your faith play into uh, politics here? Look, we're all called. Um, those who are people of faith are called by our Creator. We're called by the Lord into certain things. And I have been called, I think, in this season into the public square. And the public square is something that you guys, your firm in particular, knows needs to be defended. And the ability to do that is a great honor. And so one of the things is to go back to, go back to these, first, these, these first freedoms. Our First Amendment is so foundational for us. And the first freedom of the First Amendment is our right to worship. And that is, uh, that is the center of our public life right now. And it's the center of our public debate. And it has been foundational for us as a country to recognize this great blessing of freedom that we have. And we've been entrusted with it. It's really the envy of the world and, in fact, the envy of history. And it has been our great blessing. And then the question is, what do we as a generation do with that? Are we a generation that squanders that? I don't think so. We Peter, I've got to cut you off because we're coming to an end there. You're singing my song and you know it. Peter, tell us, how can people get... Uh, in touch with your campaign, give you support, or learn more about your campaign? Real easy. So we need volunteers. We need financial support. The, the best way is to go to Roskam for Congress, R-O-S-K-A-M for Congress.com. They can shoot an email. They can call our campaign, 630-221-0006. I'll give it again, 630-221-0006. We've got an field office through the Illinois GOP up in Lake uh, up in Lake Zurich. We've got offices in Wheaton. We've got a lot of activities, volunteers, yard signs, four by three locations, bumper stickers. Game on. Let's go. 
Thank you very much, Peter. This is Rich Baker. I'm an attorney uh, with the law firm of Malk and Baker. Uh, and if you have a legal need or a question and want a perspective from a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malk and Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at MalkBaker.com. Have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.